or the ones that are in the pew? Page 1618. Thank you. So continuing on, and actually we're going to um, start the reading of the word back at 1153. So look, 1153. Remembering last week that Jesus diagnosed and lovingly called out sin in the Pharisees. And um, so we continue in remembering that that's what just happened before. And then we pick up at reading verse 53. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another. Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time, what you should say. This is God's word for us this morning. Jesus welcomes sincere professions of faith. Jesus is talking about what we say and what we profess. Do we believe in Jesus? What are we saying in the quiet or in public, about who Jesus is. Because really, that's quite a bit of the question about what's going on here. What are the Pharisees saying or acting like? 
Who do they believe in? Where is their faith and trust? And he's talking to his disciples. There's this big crowd that comes. And just imagine how much self-control Jesus exerted after just going through this very difficult, loving, but very truth-telling conversation with the Pharisees. And then there's these thousands of people that are trampling on each other. And he turns and wants to have a conversation first with his disciples about their profession of faith in Jesus. And something is freezing up here. Jesus warns against hypocrisy. I found this quote, and when we bring quotes or movies, we talk about movies or different things, that doesn't mean we endorse everything because we can't possibly research everything about everybody, right? found this quote that I appreciated from um, a Reverend Kevin DeYoung who said, Hypocrisy is not the gap between doing and feeling. It's the gap between public persona and private character, appearing outwardly righteous to others while actually being full of uncleanliness and self-indulgence. That's the definition of hypocrisy. I think that in this culture we get kind of um, caught up in thinking, well, we don't want to be a hypocrite And so I don't want to do things if I don't feel fully um, aligned with that. But I tell you, a lot of times we need to just be obedient to God's word and our feelings will come along. And that's not what Jesus is warning about. He's warning about actually um, living a dual life. Because the Pharisees are looking very clean on the outside, but actually there's a lot of greed, there's a lot of desire for prestige and position and um, positional authority. And so there's this um, hypocrisy. There's this clean cup on the outside, but dirty on the inside. And that's what Jesus is warning about. He's warning about hypocrisy. I'm going to ask you if you can advance there. Having a little difficulty here with the technology this morning. So recognizing hypocrisy is caring more about what other people think instead of what God thinks. The Pharisees, like I said, were caring much more about what the people thought than actually listening to the word of God through Jesus. It's saying Jesus is Lord, but not living submitted to his teaching. Hypocrisy is wanting to appear clean and want everybody to think you've got it together and yet knowing that there's self-reliance or there's some other sin that we need to be cleaned. We need a Savior. We don't just need a one-time saving, but we always are needing to be saved and purified and made clean. We're unwrapping that package of holiness, if you remember that that um, wording from Pastor Dave a few weeks ago. And hypocrisy is saying, I don't have anything that needs to be unwrapped. There's nothing unclean there. 
he mentions, beware of the yeast of hypocrisy. The yeast. And so I want to talk to you for a moment about yeast. Um, if you've ever um, seen yeast, like in the kitchen, you put a little yeast in a cup and then you put some warm water and maybe a little sugar in there, and um, pretty soon that starts to rise, and that's what you put into with your flour to make bread, and that's what makes it rise. Well, yeast are these very, very tiny um, one-celled organisms, and I'm not getting into biology here, but I'm telling you that as I researched it, that these little things, they bud to reduce, reproduce their own DNA in their daughter's cells, and so if you can imagine this one single thing, Jesus is wanting us to pay attention to this one little single cell that would form like its own little bud, like it starts to kind of swell, and then it divides and it becomes two. And this yeast, as it's dividing, 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 and growing and reproducing itself, it creates a ton of energy, and that surplus energy is used to replicate and permeate what it's in. And so he's saying hypocrisy, living as if you're clean, but hiding this dirtiness on the inside, reproduces quickly, and all the energy goes to making more and more and more of this appearance. It's a facade on the outside while needing this cleaning on the inside. Yeast cells are tenacious, and the only way to kill them is by putting them in a certain temperature of water. If you don't kill them, they just keep reproducing, reproducing all that energy going into this deception. Are you understanding the gravity, like the seriousness? That's why we have to, as Pastor Dave said in another sermon, kill sin before it kills us. Because hypocrisy, not wanting to acknowledge that we need to keep unwrapping this gift of holiness, it just starts to feed and permeate our whole being. So our minds, our wills, our emotions, our actions, our relationships are all being permeated, and it's affecting more and more and more how we act. Well, when he says, be afraid of the one who can throw you into hell, Hell, um, in the Hebrew, is referring to this valley. It's south of Jerusalem. It was a location that they would have all recognized. They'd recognize it by the stench, by the horror. You would, it would be completely repulsed. This is an area where they used to do human sacrifices. So remember when Pastor Dave was talking about, he held up a little ember and said, Who? would put their baby on the altar. Who would do this thing? Because sin is so deceptive. It was permeating them. Well, he's saying in that very location where those human sacrifices happened, those that never recognize Jesus and submit to him, there's a place and there's a time When you're going to be in that place where human excrement is being burned, it's where all the trash is, it's where all the birds are, it's where the dead people are that are being eaten alive and the flesh 
is like coming off of them by these birds. This is a horrible, horrible place. Nobody would want to go to that place. It's a place of complete evil and repulsion. And Jesus is warning this yeast of hypocrisy, if left unchecked and continued to reject the living Lord Jesus, there will be a time and a place where justice will occur. God is merciful and he's just. And so he's letting not only his disciples, he's saying justice will come. And he's also recognizing that the Pharisees are listening in. And he's just told them, whoa, whoa, whoa. He didn't um, try to manipulate them. But he does set a standard. And there are consequences if you reject who Jesus is and what he says. There's grace. When Jesus warns, that's grace. There's an opportunity for repentance. And so the hope is turning. And it says, don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Right? Let's just go back to that. Anyone who speaks a word, verse 10, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And that verse has raised questions for people. What does that mean? Does that mean that if I use a swear word or use his name in vain, that I won't be forgiven? Or does it mean that if I don't understand the Holy Spirit and I reject some of that teaching, that maybe I'm at risk of being sent to this horrible place that was just described? What this is talking about This is talking about if there is a long-standing hardening of heart against the person of Jesus Christ and his ministry. This is not talking about like Peter. Peter denied Jesus. Peter was forgiven. Peter was reinstated, right? So in fear sometimes or in stumbling, people might make a slip But that's not their long-term posture of their heart. And they confess and they repent and they come back. What the Lord's talking about are those that would listen to Jesus and would continue to say, this is not the Messiah. This is not the Messiah. We won't listen to his teachings. We won't listen to him talk about the kingdom of God. We have it all figured out. We've got these structures. We've got these systems. We've got these rules upon rules that the Lord never called for. But they were putting their trust in their own ability, their own reliance on their own capabilities of trying to live holy lives. And he's saying, you are looking like a clean cup that is dirty as can be on the inside. You are stained and you need a Savior. You need to be clean. And it's when your heart stays hard and you never want to say, I need a Savior and Jesus' blood is the one that will wash me clean. That's when... There's consequences, and we just pray that the Lord's grace touches each one of our hearts and each one that we share the good news of Jesus with, that their hearts will be soft and that they'll hear the invitation into the kingdom, the kingdom that we sang about this morning, 
the kingdom that's full of joy and peace and love in the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus was giving a warning, telling his disciples, be really careful that somehow that the yeast of what you're hearing over there in the Pharisees doesn't start to slip in and that you start to waver. Right? So be careful about that. And also, Jesus is wanting to give them a bunch of promises. And you know that Jesus, if he says it, he does it. Right? And so let's look at some of those promises for his disciples who hear and obey his will. The first one is eternal security in Christ. He says in verse 8, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. And so there's a promise there, eternal security for those who follow Jesus. There's another promise in verse 7. It talks about how that he has counted the number of hairs on our head. He watches this. He promises this careful, loving um, relationship with us. And I thought about if you've ever seen a, a little newborn baby that has a little hair, even if they don't have nearly as much as on this baby's head, and is doting and loving, and I think I was a pretty doting and loving mom, and I love my babies, and I would rub their little bald heads, but they had a little bit of little fluffy stuff. But I can't imagine trying to count the number of hairs on their head. I mean, can you imagine, like, looking at their head, like, one, two, three? How would you keep it? You can't, you know, you can't, there's not long enough to braid it and keep it all in little sections and count it. Like, the Lord loves each of us, each of his children that much. He knows every hair on your head or every follicle that used to have hair. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, The Lord loves us and watches us carefully. He exposes our enemy. So as the Lord is watching over, he's telling his disciples, I'm going to watch over you. And he's going to point out the enemy. And the enemy, he points out, is fear. And he says, do not fear. Fear is mentioned five times in this little section. Five times. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. Even if there are those that are going to reject and come against you, just like they're coming against me and rejecting me, do not fear. Five times he says, talks about fear. One time he talks about worry in this passage. And so he's right in this passage letting us know that when we're trying to follow Jesus and follow in the path of letting him continue to work in our lives and calling other people into the freedom of the kingdom of God, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. He empowers us by the Holy Spirit to profess our faith and to live in dependence on him. There's a song on the radio, some of you maybe have heard it, um, by Bethel, You Make Me Brave. Any of you? Yeah. You make me brave, you make me brave. No fear can hinder now the promises you've made. You make me brave. You make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves. And it goes on from there. 
the Lord making us brave, the Lord making his disciples brave. Jesus was with them and it gave them courage. He would send the Holy Spirit to give us courage. Why do we need to be brave? Why do we need to have courage? Why do we need to um, be prepared so that fear wouldn't bombard us? Well, it's because, let's look at what Jesus is facing as he's trying to call the Pharisees into believing that he's the Messiah, he's the way, the truth, the life. It's fierce, right? We went back and picked up those verses. They were watching him, just fiercely watching him. They were besieging him with questions. They were waiting to catch him in something that he would say. And I'm telling you that when you're trying to talk to people about Jesus, you can come up against fierce opposition, whether it's calling them into salvation or whether it's calling one another out of sin. I've, I've never encountered such um, some of my absolutely most difficult verbal interactions with people have been trying to call people out of sin. They want to twist your words. They start to accuse you're not being loving. You are not loving. Who are you? You're a hypocrite. Jesus was the only one that was without sin, and so you just have to say, yeah, you're right. I, I do have sin, but Jesus' blood has covered my sins. But he calls us to be iron sharpening iron, to help one another, to live in holiness. We need to be brave. And we can't stir that up in our own selves, but we can receive the courage by the filling of the Holy Spirit. As we pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he helps us to speak the truth in love, even in the way that Jesus spoke the truth in love to those Pharisees. He gives us courage to profess our need for a Savior, to recognize that we do need to be clean and that we need the blood of Jesus and we need him, his Holy Spirit, to keep showing us where does my cup need to be cleaned out? You know, where, where is that sin of um, self-dependence? Where is my, the sin of um, pride? Maybe there's pride in that cup. He gives us courage to say, today, Lord, I need you to be my savior. I need you to be my deliverer. I need you to help me. He gives us courage to profess our need. To be brave as a prophetic voice in our culture. I thought this was interesting too. You know, you hear sometimes people talking about there's, you know, different ways. There's different ways to God. And so this one um, response I thought was quite interesting. All paths lead to God, but only one path will present you before God without fault and with great joy. Pick a path, any path, it will take you to God. Trust me, you will stand before him one day. You will meet your maker. You will see the face of Christ. There are many ways up the mountain, but only one will result in life instead of destruction. And I think that this is a good, it's a reasonable and a nice way to think about the fact that there actually is only one way and it's Jesus and all these other paths, you're going to go to judgment day. You're going to show up before Jesus, but there's no other path other than Jesus to be in relationship with God and to have eternal life. The other leads to eternal destruction, going to that horrible, the description of the horrible valley with the vultures 
with the burning excrement and rubbish. Eternal separation. And so it takes courage. It takes courage to tell people, no, Islam isn't the way. No, Hinduism, Confucianism, no, secularism is not the way. There's one way, and it's Jesus. He helps us to be a prophetic voice, not in a condemning way, because think about it, Jesus is love. Jesus comes to a world that needs a Savior, and he is complete love, complete self-control, complete humility, but motivated out of love to want to see people in the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God in joy and peace forevermore. That motivated him. It motivated him to call people to life, to invite them to the life they've always wanted. The Holy Spirit, now as Christians that are post-Jesus resurrection and Pentecost, we're brave because we're filled with the Holy Spirit to be a prophetic voice to those that we love because the Lord's called us as a church community to love one another deeply. And Ephesians 4, I was in that this morning thinking about God as he revealed himself as El Roy, the one, the God who sees, that God sees, and he calls us to not live in the darkness, but to live in light. Let me just read that a minute, what I was reading this morning. For you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. On Thursday night at the prayer meeting for revival, we were praying for revival. We were praying for the Lord to to move in power among us, in us, in this region. And uh, Chet prayed a prayer for the pastors, prayed that we would be bold to call people out of sin. And um, I just got right down on the floor because I'm just thinking, yes, Lord, I receive that. And at the same time, I know I need you because it is hard. It is hard to stand with the truth and say, you know what? Gossip needs to stop. Pastor Dave, as he heard that prayer and he said, yes, Lord, we receive that. And we also pray for the priest. He didn't say the priesthood of believers, but he prayed that we would all be empowered to call one another out of sin, that we would all be able to speak the truth in love because we're motivated out of love. And so, Lord, would you help us to be able to speak to one another in love? And, Lord, would you prepare the hearts that would hear? So when the spouse says, you know, maybe the husband says to the wife, I looked at the history on the Internet, and you've been looking at pornography. That the wife would say, I'm sorry, I repented. You know, that they would turn from that. For the one who maybe says to the brother-in-law, I'm really concerned about your drinking. Are you sure that you don't have a problem? It takes courage. We need courage to be able to be a prophetic, loving voice to encourage one another. Because we're not inviting people into a bunch of standards and strictness like the Pharisees were living in. We're inviting them into the freedom 
into deliverance, into the um, ways of Christ, where we can, in the power of the Holy Spirit, walk in freedom. When we're calling people to forgiveness, that the Holy Spirit would help us to say, you know, I feel like there's a bitter root here. I feel like maybe there's something that needs forgiveness. That the Lord would prepare that other person's heart. But even if he doesn't, even if they're, maybe he's working on them, but they're still staying hard and rejecting, that the Lord would help us. And as I looked at the structure of this passage, when um, in the Hebrew, um, and some of the writers in the New Testament kind of followed this kind of uh, writing style, but actually it starts with stuff that repeats itself, and it goes like an Oreo. I think they told me to think about it like an Oreo cookie, so that stuck in my mind. I like Oreos. Um, but think about it like with the stuff on the outside and then moving towards the inside, and that the main point they're trying to emphasize is in the, in the middle. And so as I looked at this passage, I see where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's talking about speaking about the disciples before the Lord. So kind of the outside wafers. And then it's almost like instead of a double stuff, this has got multiple layers. But you see, what you say is known and what you say is known kind of towards the end of the passage. On either side of that, he talks about do not fear, do not fear. And right in the center, there's this message that you're more valuable than the sparrows that you're secure, that he's watching over, knowing the numbers of hairs on your head. And so no matter what you're doing and what you're called to do as a Christian, inviting people into the life of Christ and into a life of joy and peace and holiness, he's saying, you're secure in doing that. I'm watching over you. I love you. I'll help you. No matter what the reaction is, whether the reaction is agreeable or whether it's like what we're seeing in the Pharisees where they're ready to gnash of teeth and want to dig at him on no matter what he's saying, you know, they're not agreeing with it. The Lord's saying, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You're valuable. You're secure. When we were down in North Carolina um, in the snowstorm, remember me telling you that we got 20 inches of snow, and I was sitting in the lobby um, with the fireplace and looking out at the snow and uh, spending some time reflecting on my birthday that morning. And anyway, and I was watching it snow, and then I saw a cardinal in these evergreens, and it was just beautiful. And I was enjoying watching it. I'm not a bird watcher. I don't even usually take time to do these things, but it was just so sweet with the Lord. And then I saw that there were these other little birds in the um, bushes out there, and they were flitting around and all. And this passage, as I was reflecting on it this week, I thought about how I was sitting here watching, and it took some concentration to notice the red bird, and the red bird was bright against the contrast. But it took even more concentration and more focus to see those little brown, white, black birds in the bushes and thinking that's how closely the Lord watches you every moment, every day. His love children, whatever is going on, he's watching. He's saying you're valuable, you're secure, and I'm watching over you. Do not be afraid. 
You are worth more than many sparrows. Let's pray. Lord, would you burn your word in our hearts that we would not sin against you? Lord, if our hearts are hard towards you, I pray that you would soften them and that even today, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they would be saved. Lord, I pray that if there's any of us here that um, have felt very alone in trying to um, live out this Christian life and trying to encourage one another, Lord, I just pray that you would strengthen, that you would bless, that you would minister your grace. Lord, for each of us, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us to be bold, loving, gracious ambassadors of truth to a world that desperately needs to be invited into and actually is really longing for the joy and the love of your kingdom. And so, God, would you prepare us to be a people that would speak what your Holy Spirit would say at any given time. In Jesus' name, amen.